I'm Tanner Scott, and you are listening to E-Commerce Secrets to Scale. If you want to scale your e-commerce business, you've come to the right place because this podcast is all about hearing stories and strategies from successful entrepreneurs and e-commerce professionals to uncover scaling secrets that will have a huge impact on your online store. This week on the show, Satyam Katamini from UX Reactor joins me to discuss the importance of optimizing your online store user experience as well as some ideas on what you can do to improve your own store experience. User experience is essential to a successful online store, so definitely don't miss out on this one. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you. Tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm, it's a privilege to be here. Uh, I'm Satyam Kantamneni. Uh, I am the managing partner of uh, a strategic user experience design firm uh, called UX Reactor. Uh, we are based out of the San Francisco Bay Area, and I'm glad to be here today. Awesome, man. So how did your career get started? What's your story? <laughs> uh so my story started out uh, in India. I, I grew up uh, uh, out there. I did my undergrad there. I did a degree in engineering and uh, electronics engineering, to be precise. Uh, hated it. Uh, if someone put a gun to my head and said, you know, design a chip, I would say, shoot me. Uh, and uh, But then I was fortunate enough to, at that point, serendipitously get into a program called uh, human factors. It studied how humans interacted with system and uh, technology, uh, more so. And for me, that was uh, like fish to water. Uh, really uh, enjoying it uh, because it had a huge human side to it, into human psychology to it. Uh, and then I made that my career. Uh, so twenty-two years since then, uh, I've uh, only done that uh, at different organizations, and uh, now running my uh, a firm that I co-founded. Uh, now for eight years, uh, I'm been leading this. That's awesome. It's it's always funny to hear what, the path that everyone goes down, and you know what you think you're gonna do with your life never ends up being the case, right? Except you know maybe a handful of people. But you know, going back to that time when you were studying engineering, you know, what advice would you give to the, to your younger self? I would just say the younger self was. I didn't realize what my outcome was. And I was I was trying to deliver a lot of output, which was great. Uh, but the outcome was like, hey, can I actually solve problems? Uh, and if I had just put that frame of mind to my younger self, like, you know, hey, how can I leverage what I'm doing to solve a problem? I would approach and how I'd learned it as well as it deployed it differently uh, versus like, hey, how can I get a better grade or how can I do a better, you know, uh, way to, you know, pass my uh, course? Uh, I would say that that fundamental shift has uh, been a big, uh, you know, big multiplier for me in my life, as well as how I run the firm today. But that's what separates an entrepreneur from an employee, right? The, the employees are always the ones that get straight A's in school, and they're really good at following structure and coloring in the lines, right? I mean, yes and no, because I was an employee too, and I was a pretty good employee when I was doing that. 
and your employees for a lot of different reasons, right? So your employees because of, you know, maybe, you know, the risk averseness, but you, you still are problem solver. Uh, and I think there's a element of that. I think an entrepreneur, obviously, uh, it's much easier for an entrepreneur to be an entrepreneur if they have a significant uh, cushion. Uh, so I think there's, there's, I would not probably simplify it to that point, but yes, I would say most employees, unfortunately, uh, think that there's a, there are a lot of things are not in their control, even though actually uh, that's more of perception than reality. I guess what I'm saying is just like that mindset shift that you talked about, you know, when you're comparing like an A student to a C student, the C student is looking at the problems and trying to find a solution to them on a whole different level, right? They're, they're bending the rules, they're doing whatever it takes to make their lives easier, right? And that's ultimately who becomes entrepreneurs. I don't say there's anything wrong with being an employee. I mean, everyone's an employee at some point, right? That's true. That's true. Not everyone is willing to take on that risk of starting a business, but that personality and that way of thinking, I think is what makes all the difference. I, I can completely agree with you on that. Uh, in fact, what just building on what you said, uh, I think a C student or a D student or an F student actually has to hustle more strongly and they have to fight more against the tide. And that muscle that they build fighting against the tide or hustling is what an entrepreneur needs. And that's why I, I, come, I kind of agree with the deductive reasoning that you know, when you pick those skills up, that's the same hustle you're today. That's the same thing of you know dealing with failure. All those nuances kind of help you kind of be a much more successful entrepreneur. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you started your business eight years ago, right? Yeah. What were some of the main obstacles that you faced uh, since starting it? Uh, fast forward to today. <laughs> uh, I think every day is a new challenge and every day is a new uh, success. Uh, as cliche as that sounds, it's exactly that. I mean, you're, you're fighting uh, a battle. Uh, when you're beginning out, you're like, when, you, when you're starting out, you kind of are like, hey, how do I even build a team? How do I build, uh, get it? You know, how do you get the, so we are completely bootstrapped. Um, and to be bootstrapped, you basically have to work with your own revenues and own uh, aspects. Uh, as an entrepreneur, you hear of all these stories where like people like sold their home and or, like took a second mortgage on their house. And I'm like, that's not what I intended to do. So uh, my point was like, hey, I have an idea and we'll see how far it goes. And I always call UX Reactor my biggest experiment in life. And uh, so that's basically what uh, it was. So it was how do you get the right teams? How do you get the right clients? How do you build on that? How do you scale from there? So first building was a challenge, then scaling was a challenge, then you know, how do you build maturity is a challenge. So I think today, uh, you know, we are three years in a row, the fastest growing user experience design firm in the country. Uh, but then that's history. I mean, that's always retrospective. Uh, in future, I mean, we need, we're still dealing with, you know, the macro markets of, uh, you know, what's happening in a recession, what happens when people are trying to work remotely, what happens when, uh, you know, all these nuances are there. So I think everything is a challenge uh, to that way, but, uh we took each one as a single problem and then we experimented around it. Uh, we said we're going to look at how people are hired, how people are brought on. And that experimental vision has actually allowed us to kind of thrive. Yeah, and you're exactly right. I mean, the problems and the obstacles don't stop coming. They actually get bigger as you go, right? Absolutely. <laughs> However, uh, the resilience that you build from those initial obstacles are really what give you the the knowledge and the fuel to get past the, the bigger ones, right? Absolutely. So today we're talking about online store user experience. Uh, we've got the UI expert here. 
What are some factors that impact user experience outside of just the website itself? I think there's a lot, right? So I think uh, you, you use the word UI. In fact, we even differentiate the construct of, you know, hey, UI is UI, where you, how you interact with it, how it feels and looks like. But uh, but there's a user experience, which is kind of the, or the, or the product experience, which is kind of much higher in terms of thought and engagement. And that's the same that applies to uh, e-commerce because someone comes to an e-commerce product or a site uh, with a transaction in mind. I want to buy a certain product. But there's a before story to that. There's an after story to that. Understanding that intent is where the magic is. Uh, the before story is what problem are they trying to solve? Like exactly, I mean, everyone wants a hammer, but you know, is the point that they're trying to hang a picture uh, uh, so that they can remember or they want to make beautify their home? What is that problem they're trying to solve? And once you start connecting with that and you build a community and a structure around that, so I would say that's kind of what is the e-commerce side. And I see a lot of e-commerce sites like, hey, I have a product, I'm going to put it up there, you buy it, and you, and you know, I've got coupon codes. And that's that's a very transactional way of looking at, and that's a UI way of handling it. But like, how do I make your if someone buys an airline ticket, there's a before story of why are they going to that trip? There's an after story of when they come back from the trip. There's a whole element of journey that is there. And most e-commerce look at commerce as a transaction than as an experience. Yeah, and, and that's really what makes e-commerce so much more difficult than traditional retail, right? I mean, yeah, you have to focus on the experience there. You know, you have to have good lighting, good experience, some, some nice music. But you really have to tell a story now digitally. Absolutely. And see, again, knowing your customer, right? So if you're selling, let's say, uh, you know, kid products. And I used to work for PayPal and eBay, so I know e-commerce really well. Uh, and uh, there was a time when we were talking to a, a PayPal user every week. Uh, so we would see different business models of how people are buying and selling online and stuff. And and you'll start seeing that people have built a business around, you know, things like, you know, maybe you know, kids' trinkets. But then kids' trinkets, uh, as, as a collector would think about it differently versus a parent buying it would do differently versus a mother buying it for, for a kid themselves buying it with their pocket money. So knowing those journeys, knowing why, how they look at it, how they approach it, the, you know, how you engage with them, uh, both before when they come in and after they come in, there's a whole journey. Like you know, when you want to buy blinds for a home, there's a certain problem like, hey, will this fit in my house? What's the customer service? What happens if something goes wrong? There's the elements of figuring out all those aspects before the transaction happens. Uh, and that's why knowing your customer and, and really knowing their journey and, and instrumenting the, the e-commerce channel so you exactly know where people are going and doing what they're doing uh, actually is, is the secret of you know building great experiences. Uh, and uh, it's a relationship that you're trying to build. The benefit is that you know you can build it across people in the world, uh, and uh, obviously the 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 challenge is that you know you can't build it as high quality as someone walking into a store. Uh, but there are still techniques and methods that you could leverage to kind of build a very strong relationship with total like lifetime of relationship. Um, I still remember I was trying to buy one of my uh, friends a uh, you know something good for his birthday. Uh, and I know he likes cigars, and then he talks about this one e-commerce channel. Uh, I actually just called the, the the cigar company, and I said, you know, hey, I want to buy a gift for this person, and uh, and they said who? Like, and then I said, you know, this is this gentleman's name, and they they looked him up. They're like, hey, I think he probably would like this or this, and he really likes this one. Hey, I got this collection back. But now that's the 
element of how a physical and 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 uh, e-commerce comes together. Uh, but but for me, they just advised that this is what I should get, and I bought it. And then, as obviously, it surprised my friend because he knew I I could get his taste. But that's one way of how it kind of starts merging. But but the other side, they actually had data to kind of share on that, and they actually knew what it was. They were not looking at it purely like who's this customer, how much did they buy, but they actually were starting to build some patterns around what kind of things they buy, and that's all understanding your customer really well. Yeah, for sure. And I always say the the best way to double your revenue is to double your conversion rate, right? So that that's an important factor here. And what what would you say is the difference between user experience, user interface, and conversion rate optimization? See, I think you can conversion rate optimizations can have, so to answer your question, can have both UI level issues or user experience level issues. Uh, and user experience level issues is like, man, I mean, you're asking me for, uh, or you don't you don't even know who I am. I mean, you're giving me data around, like a year after, you know, our kid is born, I, I don't want to still see, you know, uh, pre, you know, maternity issue things, right? So that's, you don't know who I am. That's a user experience aspect. Like you need to know who your customer is, where they are in the journey. The optimization, so don't, so conversion rate would be like, you know, hey, you're, you're showing me the wrong, you know, products and recommendations. Uh, on the flip side, uh, UI is like, you know, hey, if it's too hard to find, how do I, you know, add one more or how do I find what else can I go with it? I bought an iPhone. How do I know what uh, what typically goes, uh, what cover goes with it? Because you know that typically when an iPhone is sold or any device is sold, there's some accessories around it. Uh, and Amazon does this well, so they, because they have such a data-centric way of building experiences that they'll say this and this would probably go together, and so on and so forth. But then I still go through the aspect of uh, saying, is this the right one? Or are they giving me the most, you know, the cheapest one? Um, whereas, you know, so that's the nuances I would say uh, when you start thinking about, you know, the experience overall uh, in in this context. So, so what's your approach to user experience design? You know, when you get a new client coming to you, what's the process you go through to, you know, identify issues with the user experience and ultimately coming up with a solution to fix those issues? So, first of all, knowing who the customer is, uh, and uh, no, so if, if, as I said, I mean, we're selling it to every e-commerce channel has a typical customer profile. And and ideally you're marketing it well enough and, and getting them in there, uh, so you know why they look what they're looking for, you know why they're looking for it, and and so on. So first is start talking to those users, engaging with them, uh, both in terms of how are they behaving on the site versus how you know also having qualitative interviews with them and understanding and, and more so about how they engage with a particular platform. Uh, once that is done, one we can we journey map it. We actually say this is why they came and this is how the consideration journey was. Uh, we are right now working with a client in uh, the uh, it's e-commerce, but booking uh, hotel uh, uh, you know recommendation. So mm-hmm. we try to understand what are their considerations. Like a family has a different set of considerations versus a business travel has a different set of considerations. Knowing how they how a business travel is booked in a particular company, so you actually will approach it. You know, a, a, a book a person who's booking in uh, for a group of leaders in a company will have a different experience booking uh, 
uh, through the hotel side. So there's all these aspects. So we define different journeys. We actually extract all the needs and opportunities for them. Uh, we also sit down with the leaders and then start mapping out what are the business opportunities here? What are some things we could do or not do? And then we experiment everything. So uh, we have a whole team that believes in experimentation. So we say, let's try this, let's try that. And uh, again, optimization is all about iterating and, and building on things. And so we kind of build our first hypothesis, test it out, we build the stimuli uh, and uh, iterate with the users again. And we see how that, that works. And then slowly, you know, work on the dials and the knobs and then it gets it better and better. And then obviously uh, by the time you're done, you you know, you have left millions of dollars of, uh, you know, opportunity unlocked. Yeah, awesome, man. I love how much you focus on the marketing fundamentals, you know, creating customer personas for all of the different market segments and creating a tailored experience for them. I mean, that's so often overlooked, right? Yeah, it, yeah it's unfortunate because most times people like, you know, hey, I have a product, I'm going to put it out there. Unfortunately, in this generation, one of the challenges of e-commerce is that your competition is a click away. Uh, and uh, so how do you get, you know, how the ease of use of the website, the ease of use of the product, how do you kind of leverage it? What kind of before and after service would you get? All those things are now starting to become more and more important. But I think uh, the pandemic obviously put everything up in the, uh, you know, accelerated everything with e-commerce because, and, and that's why you see, uh, you know, if you don't have a storefront now, uh, it actually is, uh, is, is a way to fade away as a business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you've got people coming in droves to e-commerce or any other form of digital marketing and advertising. And because it looks so easy to just put up a site and start making money, no one knows what marketing fundamentals are anymore. They skip over that completely. They think, okay, I've got to put up a website and I got to buy some ads. And that's all they think about. And then they spend all this money on ads and they're like, well, why isn't anyone buying this product? Well, it's because the picture of your product looks like it was taken with a toaster and you don't even tell the user anything about the product. Why on earth would they buy it? And it also, the site looks like it was created by someone on Fiverr for $5. That, that makes sense. And I think credibility, there's a whole uh, research work on web credibility that Stanford, uh, a, a gentleman named BJ Fogg does. Um but that's the exactly thing. There's a lot of things that impact web credibility uh, and, and all the things you called out. Uh, but again, when you start caring about who the user is and what they need and what they want uh, and how the journey is transpiring in there, uh, especially if you're buying a high value product, uh, you better have a great experience around you know, trying it, seeing it, observing it, seeing how other people have used it, uh, all those nuances, right? So because you... you or you have to kind of build a returns process on it. But then if you're a small e-commerce provider, you know, returns can be fairly expensive. So you better you know, resolve it upfront, which is why I think it's important to think through the whole journey. But yeah, I, if if you don't spend the time, it might as well not do it. Yeah, you're exactly right. And you know, trying to get your product to sell itself versus creating a great customer experience is the difference between being a brand or a product with a name right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard work getting there. And there's so many things you have to figure out. But it's the only way you're really going to be successful. And I think one example I would give uh, consistently is uh, the Nest uh, thermostat. 
uh, right? So it's an e-commerce product. You go online and buy it, but it tells you the before part, like, hey, does, is this the right thing for you? What do you need? Not everyone doesn't need to kind of be an HVAC specialist, um, but they actually can go in and kind of at least see whether my wiring works and they have an experience around wiring and how does it works. Then they have experience of installation. So there's a whole journey that you have to think through, right? It's, and then obviously you sell a lot of Nest thermostats and you become like a, you know, $3 billion company in a couple of years. But that's 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 what happens when you're starting to build an experience. You want to build a community around the product. The product is just a transaction. Yep, and ultimately that's one very small piece of the entire process, right? Absolutely. So what do you think most e-commerce brands are doing wrong when it comes to user experience? I think I would probably segment it into small and large. The small companies, as you said, uh, they just start starting to put a storefront and say it's going to magically work. I mean, yes, it will work with your people that you already bought the loyalty with, but if you don't think about it as a as its own journey, as its own construct, and as its own investment of trying and error, uh, that that is what I would say for smaller companies. Uh, the larger companies, you have a lot of data. Unfortunately, they are not bringing all that data together. Uh, I see so many times when I say, I mean, we working with we work with a large uh, multi-billion dollar e-commerce company. They were selling printers, but not selling you know cartridges with it because they're two different departments uh, uh, who were focused on it. Unfortunately, their whole organization structure had to change. And the silos of this large organizations that are actually killing it, uh, like users want a home, they don't want to go to Home Depot, right? Uh, contractors go uh, to Home Depot uh, and buy items for because they're buying building homes. But I think most users want a home. So give the larger companies, give them, you know your user, you're kind of bringing in together um, all the data and then build great experiences for them, iterate on them, build a community. Um, and I think that's where they lose out a lot of opportunity that you know people don't come in and out. Uh, especially uh, loyalty has to be earned every day. And think about it as a full experience. In fact, when we were at, as a PayPal, uh, the one thing we realized was a bad experience is, is an inevitable. So let's not spend our money trying to, you know, avoid a bad experience. But if a bad experience happened, how would we handle it? What a process was, what experience was, is actually uh, was more important. Uh, and that's what we saw. We gave them a good experience. And when they had, when they had a bad experience, uh, we saw the uptick on loyalty go much higher. Uh, and these are all data-centric things that large companies can start doing uh, in much more cleaner manner. Um, yeah, there's opportunity everywhere. And then obviously you said conversion rate optimization. I think building it in an experimental mindset, I think either small or big, that is a mistake that they always do. They assume that it, it is what it is. Uh, and but no, I think you need to keep iterating on like, how do I get more and more users uh, to engage more effectively and give them more than engaging, giving them what they want will make them engage automatically. So it's not a, and it's yeah. a journey. As long as you are an e-commerce provider, you have to make sure that you are, you have the right products and they have the right products in the right way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's all about, you know, giving users what they're looking for right when they want it. Right. <laughs> so what would you say your secrets to scale are? I think our secret to scale has been, you know, good people, good clients, uh, I would say on the highest level. We invested in people from day one. So in fact, we before the firm even got founded, we said we're going to groom our own talent. Uh, we took people, we kind of put them through a process of how we approach it, what the philosophy is. And our philosophy is uh, of how we approach 
user first. Like most companies, what they do, unfortunately, is they they build it. Like I have, I'll give you an example in the e-commerce context. Like I have Shopify or I have, you know, uh, a certain platform. Now let's build an experience on it. That's not the way it should be. It should be the other way around where you think about who's my user, what's the experience I want to give them, how do I design that experience and which platform allows me to do that. So that whole user first model is kind of where it's screwed up. So, so we kind of said we're going to build and that no school teaches you that. So we said we're going to train our own talent to kind of think that way. And so we groomed our own talent. And that that is the first part of scale. So we actually can pick people and groom them and in, in how we operate. And then across our you know 60 uh, teammates, we actually, everybody had to kind of go through that same process of things. So that's how we scaled people. And with scaling people, we actually started scaling, you know, talking to clients and starting to engage and putting out a lot of words out there. So our secret to scale has been like one experiment at a time uh, and trying, obviously training people was an experiment, getting clients was an experiment, uh, which client and and all those were different experiments. So we said yes to everything when we started out and then we slowly started saying, okay, what is right and what is wrong? And uh, so just like optimization, we optimize our organization one experiment at a time. Yeah, that's an amazing analogy. Love it. Uh, is there anything that I did not ask you that you think might benefit the audience? Uh, not really. I think we had a good conversation uh, on the e-commerce side. Uh, I would just say that, you know, hey, if at any given point, if any leader is not able to share four things, then they actually are, don't, they're not user-centric. They need to know who their user is. They need to know what their biggest pain points are and what uh, first, what is their journey is. And third, they need to know what their pain points are. And fourth, that they actually have a portfolio of things they're doing to solve those pain points. Uh, and if you don't have these four things, then you effectively are going blind. And and then when you are going e-commerce or building any product, uh, you, you effectively don't want that because that that's a short, short way of like uh, playing a uh, blind hand. You're, you're exactly right, man. So what's a great way for anyone listening to get in contact with you? Uh, the best way is uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or uh, also uh, hello at uxreactor.com. Uh, those of you who want to know more about how we operate and stuff, there's obviously a book uh, that I just wrote a couple of months back. So I would also encourage people to go look at it at uh, uxtplaybook.com. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of ways to get in touch with me. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to link that up in the show notes and thank you again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of e-commerce secrets to scale. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss another episode. This podcast is sponsored by Ranksy Digital Marketing. If you own an e-commerce business and you're ready to take it to the next level, visit our website at ranksy.com. That's R-A-N-K-S-E-Y.com.